Uh, the fact is people's rates are going up. If you talk to people about their utility bills, they see it uh, skyrocketing in terms of gas uh, and electricity. Uh, it is being proposed to have this huge rate increase that goes before the uh, PUC. Uh, the mayor uh, has talked about it. He's uh, uh, spoken out against it. And what you're referring to, um, Steve, is that a couple of months ago, we became aware through the Building Industry Association that their developments were not getting electrification. PG, in essence, had put a housing moratorium in the city of Fresno that had been going on for about five or six months. So what that meant is that as we have a need to increase our housing stock, PG&E, uh, because they say they can't electrify for a variety of reasons, uh, have uh, hampered the ability of the private sector, the building industry to build and to provide homes. And so people who've gotten loans at a two or 3% rate had to sit it out, lost that 3% rate. Now they're at six and 7%. And I just got an email, uh, by the way, as an update, uh, that nothing has changed. In fact, it's gotten worse. And I got the email from uh, the Building Industry Association. So initially, the uh, PG&E responded. They actually electrified, provided electrification for a garage that was needed at the community college. Uh, Dr. Goldsmith had attended our press conference along with many people in the private sector, the Building Industry Association. You mentioned, I believe, nearly all the Board of Supervisors were there. Uh, and, you know, the Board of Supervisors and the City Council are very united on this. And yet we're back to the same thing. And so this is a problem. PG&E is a problem. Uh, I refer to them as a criminal enterprise. Why did I do that? Because uh, they've been convicted of uh, a multitude of felonies and misdemeanors. They have destroyed uh, uh, 1.5 million acres in the state. They uh, have set off 31 wildfires, killed 113 Californians. Um, there used to be a, a town called Paradise. It doesn't exist anymore. And so we ought to call PG&E what they are, uh, a criminal enterprise that is a monopoly in the city that has provided uh, terrible <laughs> service, uh, have had running blackouts. And we should point the finger at them, but we should also point the finger at the guy up on your chart, Newsom, uh, who is a complete incompetent, and the elected leaders that we have up in Sacramento who have not held PG&E accountable, and uh, the people that we represent have suffered as a result. All right, Gary, and I've got a follow-up question about that original press conference, and I'm going to ask you first, but I'm also going to ask Mike Carbossi, my co-host here. Uh, I know you took some meetings with PG&E. I did. And um, we initially heard a couple of good things, like some things we're going to change. I'm going to ask your opinion if anything changed. But Gary, part of that original news conference was about the concept of the city of Fresno beginning to provide electricity and build their own customer base. And that was a call as a potential outcome of PG&E's inability to get jobs done. But we haven't heard any updates on that. Has that theory kind of faded? Have we no. given up on that part? Are you guys going to bring that back? What's the latest on that part of it? Yeah, we put out an RFP to get a, a experienced consultant who knows about uh, PG&E and other models of providing electricity and to bring all of those um, options to the city of Fresno. I just want to give you some numbers. There's, there's approximately 60% of the electric utilities in this country are publicly run. 
There's more than 2,000 public power agencies that provide energy to 49 million Amer Americans. And there are 40 publicly owned power providers throughout California. And they're comprised of a mix of municipal and community managed operators. They range from the small city of Needles all the way to uh, the LA Department of Water and Power that have 1.5 million accounts. Uh, Needles has 3,000 accounts. Locally, we have the Turtlelock Irrigation District and the Merced and Modesto Irrigation Districts. And in most cases, they provide this electricity without uh, any difficulty and they do it cheaper. So we have to look at ways that we can do the very same thing without reinventing the wheel. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but we cannot keep the status quo. We cannot just allow our, our constituents to be uh, raped by these uh, exorbitant uh, rate hikes uh, where there really is no oversight in Sacramento or through the uh, Public Utilities Commission because they're just getting rate hike after rate hike after rate hike okay. and people barely afford it. Okay, we, uh, let's I, move on. Go ahead. Okay, so on that, has the um, council got the, um, you went out to RFP, was somebody selected, has that report come back to council or is it in the process? It's in the process, and my understanding is it should be around April uh, that we'll have all of that worked out in terms of the uh, consultant. This is going to be obviously a long-term process and one that we want to be very diligent and be very careful with. But other uh, communities have set up their own districts, uh, and they're doing better uh, than, unfortunately, our constituents are with these uh, exorbitant rate hikes. Real quick, Mike, uh, a 20 second comment from me because yeah, no, I'm going to move on to the actual rates and what's happened, yeah. who's responsible for that. So there's two issues here. One are the rates and the other issue is energization of projects. So um, on the rate issue, I have a very different take than my colleague here. I think that uh, to create our own energy company, I mean, we barely can provide sewage and water at a profit. Uh, it would be a very large expansion of local government. I think what would help us locally better is to have someone like Gary Bredefeld in Sacramento actually doing something about it where the problem exists, rather than creating a big bureaucracy in Fresno. Okay. Wait a second, I'm hearing a all government Democrat here. I love it, right? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I believe in logic. Join the I, team, man, yeah. I love it, okay. Okay, let me, uh, let me uh, talk about, okay, let's talk about who can actually raise rates. PG&E cannot raise rates on their own. They have to get California Public Utilities Commission approval. Let's put up a slide, uh, 25. That shows uh, who the members of the CPUC are. Um, one person not, uh, not pictured, Karen Douglas, one of the commissioners. Do we There's, vote for these people? No. I don't know any of them. No. That's from why Fresno? they raise our rates. Are they from Fresno? Where are they from? They are appointed by the governor. Oh. Um, and these are the folks <laughs> that actually uh, have to approve rate hikes by utilities in California. Um, and they're appointed by the governor. We have another slide that shows the oversight, uh, the oversight committees, which is actually slide 26. Let's put that up. So the Senate uh, Energy and Utility Communications Committee, along with the Assembly Committee on Utilities and Energy, has an oversight on the CPUC. And there's members of uh, both of those bodies that are local. We're going to put that slide up. So if you have any comments uh, on your rate hikes, your utility rate hikes, you can contact uh, both of these folks. Uh, actually, there's four people on. Um, there's a CPUC comment page you saw, and then uh, this page. 
shows, and I'm gonna, we're going to leave it on for, for about a minute. These are the folks that, that you can, that, that actually have an oversight over CPC um, on the Assembly and the Senate. So on the Assembly side, we have our own Jim Patterson, Assemblyman, uh, longtime uh, member of the uh, Assembly, and also Devin Ma Mathis. Uh, Devin is from Visalia. Jim represents Fresno. And he's the vice chair. Jim Patterson is the vice wow. chair of the um, Assembly. Assembly Committee. And well, then, Jim was at that uh, press conference that I talked to. Okay. He was there. He spoke. Okay. <clears throat> so, have we got any updates from our assembly members or from our folks in Sacramento about what's going on here? I can just tell you that it's something that we deal with locally, and I'd like to hear what Gary's thoughts are. Um, and Sacramento's never around when you got a problem. I'll tell you right now. I, I feel very abandoned by Sacramento. Well, and on the Senate side, we have uh, a, a Senator Anna Caballero, which uh, uh, represents. The Merced, part of uh, Fresno, northern California, uh, north of Fresno, all the way to the coast area, and of course, uh, Shannon Grove, uh, Senator Shannon Grove uh, from Bakersfield. Uh, so those are the folks that you can contact uh, on your utility rate hikes, and of course, uh, Governor Newsom uh, uh, himself. Uh, you know, but what I, about um, Council Member, our former Council Member, now Assembly Member Soria? I mean, this is affecting a lot of people in the Central Valley and her district. I mean, are our Sacramento folks outraged? We feel it here locally, right? And we're about to go through another round of rate hikes. Last year was bad. I think Dario said it was like 18% last year. Yeah. It's going to be double that this year. Incredible. That's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't know what happens when you go to Sacramento. I mean, like the perspective, I mean, she's recently a council member, so she sees what it's like. Assembly. No, no, but she was a council member recently. Yes, correct. So you see people locally. When we make policy decisions, we hear from our constituents every day. If we mess up, they're going to tell us. But no one, I, I think we're the first show ever to show the pictures of these actual commissioners. These are the people making these decisions that raise our rates. Appointed by the governor. Appointed by the governor. But it could be, but they'd still be appointed by a Republican governor. It doesn't mean they're going to stop doing it. They just, do they really see what's happening, the impact it has on people? Because I'm not mad about rates going up. I work in business. What I'm mad about is 30% one year, 40% well, one year. I'd like to put um, slide 26 back up. If we could. Yeah. Because there's more to it than just about the appointment of the governor, right? There's a California State Assembly Committee. We can just talk about, yeah. There's a Senate Energy Committee, right? So these elected officials, they, I mean, I just can't believe it. And this, and the people that are going to suffer are middle class folks and lower income I'd folks. Like, I'd like to hear from uh, Gary about uh, his thoughts about Sacramento, how they're navigating this. Because, I mean, regardless of what we think about locally, we are dealing with this every day. What, what are his thoughts? Well, Gary's going to be talking. Let's put. I want to put slides twenty nine and then one hundred three up. Let's put. Uh, while Gary's talking, let's start with twenty nine. Okay. Go ahead. One. The one slide you're missing is the uh, contributions that are uh, given to all the politicians up there, in, as well as here, uh, by PG and E. Uh, PG&E that uh, has declared that they are essentially bankrupt at times. They don't have. Uh, money to provide uh, some of the generators and things that are needed. Uh, they're hurting, but they always have millions of dollars to donate to all the politicians up in Sacramento, and they donate them uh, to people on, on the council as well. That's the slide you ought to show the people. Uh, that will tell you the tale of why uh, things never change. Um, reality is, uh, I have a son who went to Texas, and he had the option of many different utility companies to provide his electricity. And guess what? He pays 
uh, hardly anything for his uh, electricity because there's something called competition. And we don't have competition here. We have a monopoly, a criminal enterprise that's a monopoly. And they fund a lot of people up in Sacramento, tons of politicians. And that's the chart you ought to have up. And that will tell you the story of why things never change. Well, Gary, uh, following up on Mike's question, I get that and I totally agree. Since your press conference, have you heard back from any of our Sacramento folks? No, I have not. Um, but I have heard from our people here locally from the Building Industry Association who had their meeting with the Cal who had their California Building Industry Association meeting with PG&E with all kinds of promises that things would be different. And we've just been I just got the email that went through the whole list of what they agreed to help with and said, it's worse, it's not better. Okay, I'm gonna uh, jump back on the utility rates. So the chart that we have up courtesy of our charts, it shows uh, natural gas futures. And if you can see in the month of May, roughly uh, natural gas futures around, uh, call it seven to $8 uh, per unit. And then if you put an actual PG&E, Bill up. Put the, put up the next slide. Slide. Uh, let's put up the next slide up. This this on, on the one hundred three. Uh, the PG&E rates. No, no, the, 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 no, not that one. The one the one that shows that shows the PG&E rates um, on the on natural gas. If you don't have it, uh, we can just move on. Sorry about taking it. There we go. Okay. So this is the slide I wanted to show. So as future gas futures were going down substantially, uh, PG&E's rate actually went up about 15% from June to December. And if you go back, let's put the other one back up so the um, audience can see it. From June to December, PG&E rates went up and the futures actually were going down substantially. But it, but yeah, there we go. From June, again, around $7 to December, uh, roughly around uh, the $4 mark. So now they have to buy, buy gas in big, bigger supply, make commitments. So there's lots of other factors why, you know, the rates that we get charged are different than uh, the rates that uh, are actually uh, trading on, on, the, on the futures market. Okay, let's take this slide off and put on, Move on to any comments from uh, Gary on this because we're going to move on to our ne next topic. By the way, let's put 21 up. Let's take this slide down, please. Paul, Johnny, somebody. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Let's have one more thought uh, from okay. Gary as well. What, 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 why do we all care about this? Why is this so important? Who is it really impacting? Me. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But also, like, we're lucky we, have, we work. There are a lot of people that. They're starting out, they're scraping by, and they're trying to survive. And we have this homelessness problem because housing is so expensive because this state's policies have shrunk the market. Now, on top of that, what's the second largest expense for people? It's energy costs. Right. And this is, this is, this is going to be devastating to Fresno. We have not seen the effect of these rates on our community. And look, I love our community, but we're still a poor community. Really. Well, like I said in the opening, it's everybody from the middle class on down. Absolutely. It's just not it's low not, income. No, right, it's everybody. You know, and so this, is, this affects the... Uh, Family that the mother and father are both working. Yep, kids are going to school. It affects all those families yeah, because they don't qualify yep. for the CARES discount. They don't just <laughs> right. enough to get that right. stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Renzi Art. Are you guys familiar yep. with what happened? 
Let's put a picture uh, while Gary's still with us. You know, I'm familiar because GV Wire was the only one to actually report this. Okay. You guys broke the story a couple that's, weeks that's ago. That's right, we did, uh, about a couple of weeks back. Uh, let's put a picture of the Renzi art that's going to get removed uh, mm -hmm. after the fi fire destroys the Fagbul glass house on Shields of 41. First of all, where is the Renzi art? Uh, so Shields of 41. Let's put the map up. You could see it in that picture right there. There we go. So yep. that's where the... Right across the from building Manchester is right across from Manchester because that's where the building is that kind of caught fire. It's coming down. Coming, the yeah. building's coming oh, down. Oh, already? Yeah, yeah, it's already. Yeah, it was, yeah. Well, it was a hazard. So, yeah, um, I spoke with the city Art. attorney, uh, yeah. Andrew Jans, on the way to the studio, okay. and um, they, he is working directly with the owner of the building, uh, who's a physician and uh, at a local church in the facility to secure the the um, item along with the arts council to have someone professionally okay. remove it and put it in a safe site. Okay, great. We're going to show that uh, a brief video on the art and the building coming up. Here we go. Oh, wow. So shortly before midnight, we received calls that uh, there was a fire in a building near the area of Shields and Blackstone. The building itself is uh, extremely damaged. If you've been out there, you could see that for yourself, um, that uh, we're uh, turned the incident over to code enforcement and they determined that the building is unsafe and immediate uh, threat to the public. Uh, and so they are in the process of demolishing it. In terms of demolition, uh, the owner of the building is working with a contractor to um, do part of the demolition. Obviously we have code enforcement demolition unit out there on scene working alongside them. Uh, we're gonna try to work with the uh, Historical Preservation Society or the Fresno Art Museum to uh, house and maintain that work of art. We think we could take it down without damaging it. Uh, so that's a positive. I'm concerned about the way they're demoing the building right now, that I don't see any special uh, efforts, you know, being done to preserve that. It's ceramic, it's fragile, and it needs to have special care. I've been told that they're confident that they can bring out, bring down uh, the work of art without damaging it. Oh, my heart broke. Um, I've been trying, I've been concerned about this for two years, the condition of the building, the condition of the art. It's been vandalized in the past. Um, I don't put any fault on the owners. They, I think, were doing the best they can. But no effort was made, really, to protect this piece of work. It's an iconic piece of work. Clement Renzi is a, a treasure, community treasure, and uh, his work needs to be preserved. You know, obviously we're going to look into whether there was uh, arson uh, in this situation, but again, I'm not going to comment on ongoing investigations. We can sometimes sift through the rubble and determine if there are, you know, accelerants that were, were present, and that may indicate that it was intentionally set. Um, but we don't have any indication like that uh, yet in this fire. I would expect by the end of the day they'll have a, an early determination on the, the cause of the fire, um, which could very likely be undetermined. Okay, I'm uh, not going to be shocked. That fire was caused by home, the homeless, oh, right? Yeah. Because look how cold it's been last week. I mean, right. really cold. You guys are going to light fires. I'm not, I can't say for sure, but it's not going to surprise. But me. again, it's it is not our too. responsibility. That 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 we're take we're taking this on, but that is on private property, and you know we can only do so much. I think we're going to have support to fund the removal of that because we want to step up and do that. It's a special uh, item, but I think what Mr. Uh, one of the speakers was saying how. Nothing's been done. It's up to the owner to do that. Okay. Mike, uh, so the building is coming down and then the art is going to get preserved? 
Yeah, what it's we're trying to figure out is if we can remove it in one piece or how we can remove it, because there's different tiles. And so we need to find a uniquely qualified person. City attorneys working with the Arts Council to find that person who can come in and remove it. If there's a funding issue, I'm pretty sure the council's going to come forward with that dollar amount. Okay. Uh, potholes. Anything on potholes? I know the city of Fresno has been mm -hmm. rushing to uh, patch at these full patch of a bunch of these. Uh, Mike, uh, tell us. Uh, bring I have my speed. work boots on today because I was actually out in the district filling potholes. And I got you learned. Were? I was. I okay. learned firsthand. Now, uh, the advantage of these cold patches, they're extremely temporary. But uh, what they will do is it gets rid of the divots so you won't bust your rim or bust your tire. But it's not a long-term solution. Nothing beats, you know, grinding a couple of inches down and then putting in a new seal. And that's what I want to do in Northwest Fresno. That's the ultimate solution. Right now it's cold patches, then hot patches, and then the long-term. From Northwest work. Fresno? Just move to Southwest. Well, hang on. Unless, okay. I, I, we still have Gary Bredefeld on, right? Yeah, Gary. I live in his district. That's true. I'm driving over potholes on streets like alluvial and streets like cedar. So I want to hear from, uh, I want to hear from Councilman Bredefeld. What are your thoughts, Gary? Well, we're, the, the city of Fresno is doing everything it can to get all those potholes fixed. Uh, the reality is we had rainstorms that lasted just not one day, two days, but it went on for over a week. Uh, when you get that um, kind of rain, which of course we want and need, uh, it's going to have adverse impacts on the road. But I, I really think the city of Fresno is doing a stellar job. They're working hard to catch up with all of the potholes. I know they're out there uh, nearly 24-7, and um, I think they're making a, a good dent. But, you know, we still have problems. They're still working yeah. on it. People can call uh, the Fres um, 311 or use the Fresco app. Uh, and I encourage you, Steve, please feel free to use the Fresco app, and we will respond to your request. You got it, Gary. I appreciate it. You know, Robert Wharton's one of our viewers, right? He's, yeah. Robert joins us almost every week. so. Uh, we appreciate that, Robert. He made a comment. And by the way, this is the benefit of Unfiltered. You're on Facebook Live right now. You can make a comment. We're going to read it, right? So Robert said, uh, even grinding down two inches is temporary. So it looks to me like we can do the coal patches, and but at the end of the day, we've got a lot of ongoing damage. And, you know, I drive the fast lane on 41, and there's a, a little yellow stripe on the far end of the fast lane. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, right where that yellow stripe starts, 41's got serious problems. Those are, right, that's those are deeper than right. two inches. Right. Yeah, that's Caltrans. So, I mean, this rain, all that uh, atmospheric rivers has really wiped us right. out. Yeah, and two inches isn't enough, by the way. It has to be several inches, and it has to be an actual slur new seal and repave. So, cool. Yeah. And then Jake uh, Watts said that Biden passed a very spendy infrastructure bill that should cover it. But, you know, this is, a, this is something that you and I can commiserate on, and I think I'm going to be working with Councilman Bredefeld on this one, too. Our gas tax money, this is an annual issue that comes up every year with the council. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you there's going to be a really big push this year because we need to get more of that money in North Fresno. Look, I, I believe in one Fresno. And we have stepped up to ensure that South Fresno gets what it needs. But you don't have an east-west freeway. Herndon is the east-west freeway of, of the north right. where people go to the doctor's appointments. With Madera Community closing, we're using St. Agnes more. Our roads are getting used more. Great if we points. don't invest early okay. in Herndon... It's We're just going to have like this. more issues. Let's move from Northwest mm. Fresno to Southwest Fresno with a Starbucks opening up. Is, is that the first Starbucks opening up? I want to hear from uh, Mike and also from Council Member Bredefeld. Southwest Fresno, first Starbucks. Big okay. deal. Okay. Where is it exactly? Southwest Fresno, that's where okay. it is. It kind of, <laughs> I, mean, I no, think it's on um, Martin Luther King Boulevard, right? right? So right. it is... Close to Edison. I actually haven't gone down there. Right. Yeah. 
So if you if a person knows where downtown Fresno is, mm -hmm. it's west of that and oh, yeah. slightly south. Right. So it's right. not in downtown. There's, right. there's a couple Starbucks in downtown already. Right. Correct. Yeah. But it's a big deal because a lot of the folks in the area have complained about not going to grocery stores. It's just liquor stores saturated. This is a very, very big investment. That can be there it is. Uh, I think that's the map of the area. That's a nice job to our team. Well, this is a master planned area. I can't remember. What, yeah. There it is, West Creek Village, right? It's yeah. a master planned community. If folks don't know what that means, that means they turn this over to a developer, say, draw us up a plan. It's going to be very beneficial for the whole community. So this is a commitment of more than just one Starbucks, right? Right. This is housing, ongoing plan, retail, right? other retail, okay. you know, clinics, so forth. Gary, uh, any comments on that before we move well, I on? Think, I think it's a fantastic thing, but it's uh, uh, not enough. Uh, the fact is they, they've uh, talked about wanting a, a grocery chain uh, there. And I think that should have happened by now. Uh, we have a lot of money that we've gotten from the feds and, uh, I think we ought to be utilizing some of those funds to draw a grocery store in that area. Uh, I've talked about that before on the council. I've told the council member that represents it. I am fully supportive of that. Uh, I heard that the mayor has made some efforts at trying to make that happen. And I think that should happen. I don't know why it hasn't happened now, but that's what I would really like to see an anchor. That is a big grocery chain, just like there is throughout other parts of the city and that's missing and it needs to change. Okay. Uh, with that, we're going to move to our final item, which is the Memphis uh, killings. Of, you said uh, the worst for last. Worst for last. Well, this is the worst story. By it is. Tyron Nichols, if you can put up slide 10. Uh, G-Wire covered this uh, last few oh. days. Really a hor horrific uh, killing um, in, in Memphis. But it, what's interesting, there was no riot or minimal. Not, not nothing violent. There have been protests across the country, of course, right. but no, I wouldn't. And the, 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 the Tyree's mother actually came out and said, please, you know, they're very, obviously very upset, but they don't want violent protests. Well, I mean, isn't that because the officers were black and the victim was black? I mean, that's one of the, that's yeah. going to be one of the reasons. I mean, let's be honest. If, yeah. if those five officers are four, yeah, excuse me, five officers, those five officers were white, I think we would have had those riots. Now, that says a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. We're not going to cover it all on Unfiltered tonight. Yeah. I can't even sure. digest it all, right, um, because I'm not a part of that community. Right. So that's for them to speak about, but they decided that it's, you know, this is not a time to burn everything down, right? And there's a, there's a lot to learn about policing when you have this type of a problem happen with <clears throat> five black police officers, right? Yeah, and, and the other issue is, and this is what came up during the uh, George Floyd killing is, you know, what happened, Memphis is this whole different community, whole different culture, whole different political structure and, and government structure. Fresno, California is very different. We have some of the strictest laws for law enforcement officers, strictest training laws. So I'm not surprised something like this does not happen in Fresno because here in Fresno, we have a very different culture, very different uh, commitment uh, by our community to have, okay. not let this happen here. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Well, no, I agree, Mike. We got a completely I mean, different culture and I thank the Lord that again, we did not write here locally. And right. I think um, business leaders and community leaders, elected officials stood up and said, hey, we can't do that. And they've been working on it behind the scenes. Yeah. So I approve of that. But Robert Wharton brings up another thing. Great point. Uh, out of Robert. my um, hometown today, a Selma police officer yeah. was killed, right? Yeah. So look, that's a oh, tough wow. job. You're on edge. You may get a phone call. I am not excusing what happened in Memphis because I think that's a completely, I mean, that was completely wrong and a whole different level. 
but it's a tough job, and we see these officers go out there, and uh, my heart goes out uh, to police, but my heart goes out to victims. I don't even really understand this one. I thought the guy got away. He's running. He got tased. Got running down the street. I mean, they went. They want to pull them back in. No, the one in Memphis. Memphis. Yes, the one in Memphis. It just just does not make sense. And then you know, it's reminiscent of. In a way, the George Floyd thing, which happened very quickly, but this guy's sitting down on the curb. He's slumping over. He's obviously something seriously wrong with him, right? Again, he's calling out for his mom. What does that do in our psyche when you have a grown man calling out for their mom? I mean, this is not right. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Robert, for um, showing uh, or sharing uh, the news about the Selma police officer that was uh, killed today. Really sorry to hear that. Right, Phil? You have a, Gary, you have a, any final comments uh, on uh, police officers at Memphis or the one, uh, the, the killing of a police officer in Selma? And that will be a wrap after Gary. Yeah, yeah I, I watched it. Uh, my heart broke. It physically hurt uh, to see that. Um, I, I was enraged. Um, I don't know how you can have five officers do that, uh, regardless of what the color of their skin, to just uh, beat somebody to death. Uh, there's there's a problem in the culture there. Um, clearly, there's a problem in the culture that uh, people feel that they can do that. There were other cops again that arrived. Nothing. Uh, nobody did anything to stop this. None of the five cops did anything to stop this. Uh, it, it, it hurts for that family, and uh, I think it hurts for every good cop uh, who uh, they hate bad cops more than anybody because it makes their job harder. And of course, every, uh, not everybody, people, some people paint with a broad brush. Uh, we know that uh, most cops are good cops and honorable cops. Uh, this was just painful to watch uh, people run up and just assault and uh, attack this man when he could never defend himself and assault him over and over until he died. Um, I have witnessed a few things as horrible as that. and. Um, I do feel that in Fresno, we don't have that culture in our police force. And we just had a report that came out um, from the Office of Independent Review uh, where cops have been fired who are not doing their job. And I think we've got a, a great police chief who is making sure that the culture here is the opposite of what happened on that event. And, um, but I, I still feel very heartbroken having witnessed that, and I will, it's not something that will leave my memory uh, soon, I can tell you that. With that, that's going to be a wrap for this evening. Uh, thank you for joining us, and see you all next Tuesday. Mike, you have a final Yeah, I just comment? want to add, I, I did not yeah. know about the officer in Selma yeah. that someone was killed, and this yeah. is the first uh, uh, death for the department. And on the, flip, on the flip side, you have those five officers in Memphis, but here in Selma, you have an officer responding to a shooting I don't know if he has a family. We don't know his name yet, or if it's even a man or a woman. That officer had put the badge on, went out without question. Someone called 911. That person just gave their life, and God knows where they are right now. And I hope that piece of shit that killed him, they've arrested, rots in hell. This is why I believe in a death penalty. I hope he rots in hell. I'm sorry. And with that, that's but, a wrap. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and uh, see you all next Tuesday. Thank you, uh, Councilmember Bredefield, for joining us uh, this week and commenting on all, all those issues. Have a great okay. week. Thank you, everybody.